0: Today, I woke up with a little pulse of faith. Do you ever do that? Like when you open your eyes, you're like, oh, you know, things are gonna be awesome. God is with me. When I see a sign of faith in my own spirit, when I notice something there, it's indicative to me that the Lord planted it.
1: Me. we are, at first believe, oh, death, where are you, where is your sting, how sweet the sound of this victory, oh, church, where are you, come rise and sing, sound of this victory oh church where are you come rise and sing
2: As we come to the close of 2020 and reflect on this last year, uh, would you join me in prayer? Uh, Father God, we're just so thankful that you are In this life with us Um, we're so thankful that that you came to earth um, to be with us to show us that you're right next to us um, and you're still right here with us Lord we just pray at the close of this year as people reflect um, perhaps on hopes deferred perhaps on uh, disappointments uh, perhaps on unexpected joys Lord Um, we just pray that you would give us a clear vision of how you've been with us through it all um, and continue to be with us uh, looking forward to the next year Lord, bless our time together as a church as we listen to Jordan's message. Um, And we pray that your spirit would cover every single person going into the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you like to present anything on the main table? Yes! That table, that table, that table, that table! Okay, judges? Hello, Blue Water, and welcome to our last online service of 2020. It's been tough to just be meeting mostly virtually like this and having the videos be sent out to your homes, but I think one of our greatest triumphs we got to see last week with the Blue Water Christmas concert video. I thought it was just so amazing to see so many different people from Blue Water expressing themselves creatively and sending in different pieces to celebrate uh, Christmas this year. I just thought it was a beautiful way to keep that Spirit of the Blue Water Christmas concert going. Um, In the new year, we are really hoping that we are going to be able to start meeting in person. We have no timeline for that yet. But something that you can start to look forward to in January is that in one way or another, in some place or another, we will be finding a place to do our prophecy service which is something that we get to do in January every year. If you've been around for a while, you know that. If you're new to the church, it's actually a really cool way where we take a lot of time to hear from the Lord and uh, get to hear what he has to say for people in the congregation. And it's a really cool way to invite even people who don't necessarily know the Lord to come and meet Jesus for the first time maybe. A little bit of family business is that if you still have tithes or contributions that you'd like to make to Blue Water in the year of 2020, it is important to mail those in and make those contributions before the 31st, and if you are mailing them in, to have it postmarked by 12:31 in order for you to get the tax-deductible receipt for the year 2020. Now, I would just like to pray for everyone in our congregation super quick for 2021. Jesus, I just thank you so much for everything that you've done, even in this difficult season of the year 2020. And I pray that 2021 would be a year of fresh starts, of new beginnings, and that we would be able to come back together to in person again. That uh, plans would not have to be altered anymore, um, but the new and exciting things that you have for us in this upcoming year, Lord, that we would just be able to... To go through those with power, with faith, and in community together. Um, So I just pray for everybody's year this year. um, And I pray that we would all have a fruitful year uh, through you, Jesus. Amen. Today I woke
0: up with a little pulse of faith. Do you ever do that? Like when you open your eyes, you're like, Oh, you know, things are going to be awesome. God is with me. I never do that. Uh, When I wake up, I am invariably crabby, so the fact that I woke up today with a little pulse of faith was remarkable. Yesterday was a very hard day for me, so it's like doubly remarkable, and it just kind of makes me think, well, you know, maybe God gave me a little faith this morning. Uh, It's significant as well because at the Sang House, you know, we've been having kind of a a tough time. Uh, My grandmother has uh, had some uh, health transitions. Uh, and we're kind of struggling through that. Um, but when I got that pulse of faith, I thought, all right, God, I'll just live this day unto itself. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to lay aside yesterday. I'm just going to lay aside my hesitations and my fatigue, and I'm just going to ride the wave. You know, when you see the little swell starting to come on the break, you just, you start paddling. It's like, I'm just going to go for this thing. And so that's what I decided uh, to do. Um, if, if I ride it into the reef, well, so be it, you know. Sometimes uh, mistakes are made. Uh, but if it takes me someplace that I need to go today, uh, so much the better. Um, so what I was uh, meditating on all morning was the value of the willingness of going with it. You know what I mean? It's like at the first sign of faith building, are you willing to go with it? Are you willing just to, just to paddle with it, to take the opportunities of faith that God gives you? Um, we had a, a staff retreat uh, this past week and we were sharing together some of the early prophetic words and dreams that we had as a fellowship of Blue Water Missions over 10 years ago now. Uh, I had a dream in the early days that all the veterans will already know about. It's the Blue Water Cruiser dream. I had it in the days right before we started the church, but we were already together as a fellowship. We didn't have a name yet. Uh, And in this dream, I was sailing a boat. And it was the kind of boat that sailors would call a blue water cruiser, which helped suggest the name of our church, actually. Uh, The funny thing was I was sailing this boat down uh, a city street and uh, so the keel was grinding on the asphalt, there were all these sparks and stuff like that, so it was kind of a ridiculous image, but I was behind the wheel sailing the boat and I was just pumping my arms and saying, man, this is great, this is awesome, this is perfect, even though the the picture was kind of ridiculous. Then at a certain point I turned right, or as we sailors say, tacked to starboard, and I went across this bridge And again, sparks were flying from the keel. It was this ridiculous picture. Uh, I looked over the side of the bridge and there was a riverbed completely dry of water, bone dry. And then the other side of the bridge, I sort of docked the boat against this mound of dirt in what was a complete desert landscape and the hard packed dirt not a drop of water, not a scrap of green growth anywhere in sight. So I was sailing a boat in a desert. Again, kind of a ridiculous picture, but I was pumping my fist saying, yes, perfect, we did it. And then I jumped off the boat and I started uh, kind of raking the dirt with my fingers until I found three tiny green shoots, as if they were little, little plants just starting to grow. And when I found the three tiny shoots, I just threw up my arms and said, yes, this is perfect. And then I woke up. So there's a lot of ridiculous images uh, in that dream. But perhaps you've already interpreted There was a direction that the Lord was giving me in the dream, which was pilot the church, the ship representing the church, I forgot to say there were other people from the church plant on the boat, so I know the ship represented the church. Pilot the church in such a way um, wherein if God does not send water from the spirit, you'll look ridiculous, you know? It was a journey of faith in the sense that I was sailing a boat into a desert, trusting that God would send water down the riverbed and flood the desert and float the boat. You get the picture? So it was a complete journey of faith. And, uh, and if God didn't come through, it would be a ruinous journey. Sounds about right. Very blue water, right? Uh, and then at the end of the dream, when I s- raked through the dirt and I found the tiny green shoots, you would call that maybe the first sign of life, right? Even before you see obvious signs of God sending the water, you see a little sign of life. And in the dream, that was all I needed. Uh, The dream illustrated the attitude with which our blue water journey needed to be conducted, which was this attitude of faith. This idea that things will turn out. Things will turn out. And all I need for encouragement is the earliest sign of life. Are you following me? There is a deep wisdom in getting excited about the first sign of God's activities. Not waiting around for the next sign and the next sign and this confirmation and that guarantee, but the willingness to just go with it when you get the first indication that God is doing something, that God might be with you. You following? Everybody say amen. We don't have very many people here today, so you have to really get excited. That's a little too excited. Uh, In the end, some of us will have more obviously blessed lives than others, Um, but we won't be judged by the conditions of our lives. We'll be judged by how we took the journey of our lives. Did we do the journey in faith, or did we do the journey in a different kind of spirit? That's the measure that will be used. And there's a lot more uh, that could be said about the signs and manifestations of faith and what the life of faith is like. We talk about that all the time. Faith is spelled
2: T-R-Y.
0: T-R-Y, that's right. It's an action-forward sort of life, the life of faith. But uh, my point today is get in on the early stages of faith. Jump on the first signs of faith that the Lord gives you. When you get the surge, go with it as soon as you feel it. Be the sort of person who believes at the first sign of God. The first hint of faithability. How do you like that word? Faithability. As soon as you can believe in something, try it. Go with it. Test it out. Faithability. God will give you signs. He's just that kind of God. You know, it is written, God does nothing without first telling his servants, the prophets. He's, he's always previewing uh, what he's doing. He will give you signs. They may be small. He'll give you signs even if it takes a while for him to manifest the events that the signs signal. That's okay. Okay because it's a journey of faith that we're on. You will journey well if you respect the signs God gives you. It's Christmas, by the time you see this, it will be a couple days after Christmas. Here's something we know about Christmas. It was filled with signs. The wise men followed the signs to ultimately find the baby Jesus. How many of you saw the so-called Bethlehem star this week in the sky? You guys did not even know about this. I knew about it. In the southwest horizon, I'm getting a couple nights ago, there was a conjunction, an alignment of Saturn and Jupiter, and it made for a particularly interesting looking, bright sort of double star. Uh, And this sort of uh, alignment hadn't happened since the Middle Ages. Uh, There are some people that theorize that it was just this sort of alignment that provided the star that the wise men followed way back in the day. Because there would have been an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn just like there was the other night. Um, I saw it, because I'm kind of a wise man. You guys should have looked at the sky. Um, But there was just this sort of alignment uh, in 7 BC. And then in 6 BC there was a triple alignment because Mars got in line as well. And then in the year following that, in the same area, there was a famous comet. Uh, And so people theorized that the wise men, who are probably astrologers and court officials from Persia, where the book of Daniel takes place, um, saw these strange events in the heavens. They would have never seen it before because it only happens every, you know, so many centuries. And it would have indicated to them that something special was going on. And so they followed this heavenly manifestation, uh, took off southwest, and eventually uh, found the Lord. Um, I've always thought when I read the Christmas story that it sort of begs the question, well, how how did the wise men know that the thing they saw in the heavens indicated a king was born in the land of Palestine? How did they put that together? Um, this portent in the heavens meant something. Why did they think it meant the birth of a king in Palestine? Um, and, and probably it was thanks to Daniel. You know, we've talked about this in Christmas sermons past, so this will be a bit of a review uh, for some people. We're in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Daniel. I'm skipping ahead a couple chapters to chapter 9 this week. Uh, Daniel's 12 chapters long. The first half of the book of Daniel is really cool stories, narratives. We've been going through some of them. And then beginning in chapter seven of Daniel, there's a switch in the book and it's all of these epic prophecies. Um, And Daniel nine is definitely an epic prophecy given to Daniel and that he recorded for us. Uh, It goes from third person accounts of stories that involve Daniel to first-person accounts from Daniel. The first half of Daniel is written in the language Aramaic, which is a cousin of Hebrew. And then when Daniel himself starts writing in first-person, it's written in Hebrew. So this, all of these shifts in the book of Daniel. Uh, and in my opinion, Daniel chapter 9 is probably the hinge of the whole book. The thing is, Daniel was a wise man in the courts of Babylon, Persia, and all the kingdoms that. Uh, that were there during his lifetime. He he served four or five different kings. And he was a very prominent wise man. He became the chief of the court officials, we read in the early books of Daniel. So the stories about him and the things that he wrote down would have been kept in the Babylonian libraries through the centuries because that's how they did it. Uh, when wise men wrote something, they kept records, they kept chronicles, and subsequent generations of wise men would have read these and studied them. So the wise men in Persia, in the, uh, <clears throat> around the time of Jesus' birth, would have known the stories of Daniel. And so they read this Prophecy from Daniel chapter 9. And when they saw the signs in the heavens, this strange conjunction of the stars, being astrologers, they would have thought, oh, this probably means something. What great event is predicted to happen right now? They would have read through the stories of Daniel and they would have been like, oh, yeah, Daniel predicted a king, which is what he does in Daniel chapter 9. So we probably owe the story of the wise men to a prophecy that Daniel wrote down over five centuries earlier. Are you following me? And here's the prophecy from Daniel chapter nine. It's the prophecy of the 77s. What happens in Daniel chapter nine is that Daniel's doing a Bible study. He's studying the Old Testament scriptures and he understands from reading Old Testament prophets, early prophets, that the exile of the Jews in Babylon, in Persia, is supposed to last 70 years. And so he does the math, he thinks, oh, you know, we're, we're approaching the time when the exile is going to end. And so he prays to God, he repents on behalf of his people, he fasts, you know, and he says, oh God, do indeed let it come to the end so my people can go back to their homeland. Picking it up in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, for Jerusalem, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Throughout all of scripture, Old Testament and New, the angel Gabriel is like the the personal herald of Jesus. Gabriel is the angel that shows up whenever information about the Messiah needs to be conveyed, whether it's to Daniel or to Mary or Joseph or whomever. So Daniel shows up in the Old Testament. Gabriel, I'm sorry, shows up in the Old Testament to speak to Daniel. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. I really wish an angel would show up and tell me that I was highly esteemed. That would make for a good day. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Here it is. 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, atone for weakness, to wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up prophecy, excuse me, seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, or the most holy one. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the Messiah, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens, seven units of seven is what that means and 62 sevens. So a total of 69 units of sevens. Then it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, which is at the very end of all of this time, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Now, I know that's a little complicated, you know, 69 units of seven and stuff like that, but the prophetic code that's being used there would have been fairly familiar to people who are wise in the ways of numerology and symbolism and stuff like that, and Daniel totally was. Uh, Here's how it goes. From the time the decree is issued to rebuild Jerusalem, that's how the prophecy starts. Well, we know when that decree happened, it was given by a Persian king in 445 B.C. Uh, We know from historical record the decree was actually given on March 15th, 445 B.C. So March 15th, 445 B.C., plus 69 sevens. What does that mean? Well, 69 times 7 comes out to 483. And let's just make a wild assumption that it's going to be 483 years. Um, Because years are a standard unit of counting time, right? The Hebrew year was a little bit different uh, than um, uh, the year that we go by. Uh, It was uh, only 360 days. So, 483 times 360 equals 173,880 days. In the time period between March 15, 445 BC, and the end, there were 119 leap years. So, we have to figure those in if we're going to uh, translate back into our type of calendar, a year of 365 days. So, the math is 483 times 360, plus 119, and you count all of those days up on the first week of April in A.D. 32. A.D. 32. Got it? Who lived in the early years A.D., around A.D. 32 that we know of, that we call the anointed one? Jesus. Jesus, That's right. So in an uncanny way, Daniel predicts that there's going to be an anointed one in Jerusalem in the First week of April, 32 A.D. Um, this is not a prophecy about the birth of Jesus. It's a prophecy about the anointing of Jesus. If you were to pick a moment of Jesus' anointing, what would it be? Well, it's probably when he entered into, into Jerusalem, you know, Palm Sunday. The crowds recognized him as the Messiah. He came to the place of the throne, in other words. Um, and we get that story. It's the story of... Palm Sunday, you know, Easter, we get that story in in the Gospels, the triumphal entry right before the Jews celebrated the Passover in the story. Well, it just so happens that in 32 AD, the Passover fell in the first week of April, exactly as the prophecy of Daniel predicted. Um, So it's an uncanny prediction. Uh, of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, given many centuries before Jesus lived. Not bad. Not bad. And this is what the wise men got on to. They read this prophecy, they did the math, and they said, oh, well, I wonder if that star means that this fellow, this king, who's going to be anointed as ruler, just got born or something like that let's go with it, let's take a trip. And the trip trip probably would have taken them a very long time, months or even years, and then they had to hunt down this guy, and we get that story actually in the Christmas story in in scriptures. Unfortunately, Daniel 9 says that at the end of this time that after his anointing, uh, the Holy One will be cut off and he will have nothing. Well, surprisingly enough, Right after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he gets recognized as the Messiah. He gets cut off. He gets crucified and died, which is exactly what Daniel predicted would happen many centuries before it happened. Uncanny. Uncanny. Zoroastrian astrologers would have seen the strange star in the sky, six, seven, five BC, whenever it happened to be, figured it must mean something, They scoured their library. They found Daniel's writings from Daniel chapter nine. They did the math. They thought this has to be it. And that's how the Persian wise men ended up in the Christmas story. Snaps for wise men. They saw a sign and they went with it. They saw an early sign and they just rode the wave. And it took them right into the Christmas story and they became famous wise men sometimes have a reputation for caution for prudence you know what does it mean to be wise well we're gonna see things from all sides you know we're gonna we're gonna think about all of the details that sounds like wisdom well that's a sort of wisdom but really great wisdom can also mean well let's just go with this this seems like a surge that we should ride this seems like it it could really lead someplace cool you know laying aside hesitations and hesitations are always possible in life right you can always ask for more confirmation you can always ask for more guarantee from God good luck with that but you can ask for it the baby Jesus was himself uh, a sign of things to come right Gabriel again, the personal herald of, of Jesus, told Mary as a sign, you'll be pregnant while you're still a virgin. Well, you'd have to just go with that, right? That's, you'd have to really make up your mind to ride that wave if you were gonna successfully complete that journey. But it ended up being a tremendous sign for all the ages. The shepherds on, on, on the night of Jesus's birth were told, This shall be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a food trough. Well, that's a heck of a sign. Imagine going into town and finding this newborn baby stuck in in a food trough in an animal's dish and thinking to yourself, yes, the world has just changed forever. You'd have to make several leaps to get to that. Um, But they were willing to go with it with great joy and celebration on the virtue of a very early sign of what Jesus would accomplish. It's just like you wouldn't necessarily see a a few tiny green shoots in a desert and think, yes, the Lord is going to turn this desert into a paradise. You'd have to make up your mind to stretch a little bit, you know? That would be a very early sign and you'd have to go with it in order to get joy and strength and faith from it. You wouldn't necessarily feel a little pulse of faith when you open up your eyes in the morning and think, oh, this is a sign the Lord is with me today. It's gonna be okay, we can do this. You wouldn't necessarily go with that unless you were inclined to go with it, unless you had the sort of kingdom wisdom that made you search for early signs and take action on them. Unless you were a, a Blue Water Traveler, you know, unless you were a journey maker, unless you were a wise man, uh, like so many around Blue Water Mission are. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, it's been a weird one. It's been kind of a weird year. Uh, And I think it's going to be a little bit different going forward. It's going to be weird for a little while. Life in the kingdom always requires faith. I think life in 2021 might require a unique sort of faith. I think things are going to be different than they have been in past years. The next season might be strange in certain ways as the past season has been. But you know what? That's how journeys work. That's always how faith journeys work, for sure. Uh, To make it, to journey well, I would like to encourage us as a fellowship to respect the signs that God gives us. Search the skies, you know, search the ground around you. Search your own spirit and see if you can't find some of those early signs of God's movement in your life and the proper thing to do with signs is to go with them to lean toward faith to lean toward trying you want to be wise you want to think things through you want to be wise but you want to be aggressive where things of the kingdom are concerned daniel got his sign his great prophecy while he was reading scriptures and and entering a a time of prayer, and fasting, and repentance, he was trying to clear the decks in his life. And that sort of thing always enables us to receive the signs of God better when we enter a season of prayer, of deck clearing, so to speak. But regardless of what kind of season you're in, I'm I'm gonna be bold here, I'm gonna say confidently that God is giving you signs today. God is speaking to you this week. Um, I know he is, I, I I I just feel it. I feel it with a pulse of faith. The Lord is especially talkative right now. I don't know if it's just Blue Water Mission or I don't know if it's just around the world, but the Lord is giving you some indications that things are afoot, that he is with you, that stuff is bubbling up. He's probably not giving you guarantees, but he is giving you signs, and we understand the difference, right? I think the Spirit would encourage us this Christmas and this New Year's to look for signs of life and direction. So how do we do that? How do we do that as a crew? Number one, examine your spirit for signs of faith and then use them to direct your life. Notice I say, examine your spirit for signs of faith, because if you're like me, sometimes your spirit is littered with emblems of, of doubt, <laughs> you know, emblems of crabbiness when you wake up in the morning. Uh, and that's, that's me all over. So when I, when I see a sign of faith in my own spirit, when I notice something there, It's indicative to me that the Lord planted it, you know. And when the Lord speaks, it almost always comes with a little faith. Uh, So I've learned to pay attention to those things in my own spirit. God is the God of my spirit. He can help me out on the inside from time to time. So I would encourage you to examine your spirit for signs of faith. Is there something that you're just finding it particularly easy to believe in right now? You know what? That might be a sign from God. And if you're having that experience, I would encourage you to go with it. Tis the season. There are signs in the heavens, you know. Go for it. Uh, So that's the first examination. The second thing I would say is examine your situation uh, for signs of maturity. A lot of times what I do is I examine my situation for signs of failure. Or I examine my situation for signs of disaster, you know, for, for ill omens, you know, somebody who's not coming through or uh, a situation that seems unworkable. And, and I'm always looking for those things as if I enjoy being depressed. Uh, that's just me. As a matter of discipline, what I try to do is examine my situations for signs of maturity. It's like, you know what? That might be going somewhere. This might be a harvest over here. I need to get on that. Sometimes I'm tempted to change my life because it seems like I've hit a dead end. All right, and sometimes that needs to happen. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being willing to change your life given a sign of maturity. Like, wow, this is the right time to invest here. This is the right time to harvest here. This is the right time to make a change here because the door is open here in a unique way. You get what I'm saying? That's the difference between a sign of maturity and a sign of failure. Look for signs of maturity in which the Lord is giving you indication that things are working out in a certain area, and then jump on it. Go with it. Move on it. Uh, There's an opportunity for new life here. If you feel that about some place in your situation, go with it. And then finally, I would say check with the prophets. Like Daniel did. He read the Old Testament prophets, and it led to him getting a new revelation from the angel Gabriel. You're reading a prophetic book called Daniel, um, and... Daniel is filled with prophecies that are sweeping in their scope. I mean, read that stuff. Study that stuff. Let it prime your pump a little bit and and go into a season of prayer and repentance and listening. And I bet the Lord will speak to you about what he's doing in the world around you. I'm quite confident of it. In the Christmas story, the prophets didn't miss it. You know, in the temple, there was Simeon. There was Anna when the baby Jesus was brought to the temple. They confirmed, ah, this was the special one that we've been waiting for. The Lord does nothing without telling his servant, the prophets. And around Blue Water Mission, there are all sorts of prophetically gifted people. The Lord is speaking all the time. We can all hear from the Lord anyway. It doesn't have to be a special person. Uh, We're... We're doing a a, a prophecy service as usual. We're going to do it in in mid-January. There'll be more details coming up about that, which you can come or you can bring friends. We'll do it in a socially distanced sort of way, but it will still be awesome. But you know what? You might not even need the prophecy service this year to get a prophetic direction from the Lord. I just think this is an incredible season of dreams and visions and words, and I think tons of you are getting them. They might seem small, but pay attention. I think he's talking. God has great things afoot in the world right now. And so there's a buzz. There's a lot of chatter on, uh, on the communication lines. He has great things afoot in the world right now, and he has greatly good things afoot in your life right now. Look for signs of those things. Jump on them early, like a good blue water traveler does, and then go with it. That would be wise. Heavenly Father, I pray, indeed, that you would be talking. We bless your revelations, but we incline our spirits to hear, Lord. We incline ourselves to go with the the first signs that our God gives, of his purposes flowing through our lives. Open our eyes, Lord, to indications of new life, indications of, of, of proper direction, even if things seem rust, uh, rough or ridiculous there's still a way in which you can indicate we're traveling in the right direction. I pray, Lord, that you would show us where the harvest is, where maturity is happening in our lives so that we don't miss the harvest. Show us, Lord, where the harvest is ripe so that we don't just get stuck in endless planting mode. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken us to positive changes as opposed to changes that have come from negative or scarce situations of this past year. Surely, Lord, there are situations of unique richness as well. Through faith, enable us to see them. We are the people of God. We are a privileged people. We live by faith. Give us signs to direct us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Hey, Blue Water family. Thank you again for joining us in this hour of worship. It has been a privilege to walk with you in this last year. And we, like Daniel, have the hope that God knows what's coming. He sends us glimmers, signs of salvation to come. And we're praying that you have hope, that we hold hope as we finish out 2020, And we look forward to a new year of God's faithfulness and fruitfulness. If you need prayer for any area of need, financial healing, heart sickness, or just vision for the coming year, you can email julie at bluewatermission.org with your name and your phone number and let someone from our team call you back and pray with you. We love you guys. We're so grateful for a community of faith. Thank you for being inspirational, being full of faith, being hardworking, and being lovers of Jesus. We bless you. Have an awesome rest of your day and Happy New Year.